Blog Talk Radio. talking sports and having fun doing I want all your ideas all your opinions and all your beliefs and of course as always you will get a heavy dose of my opinion you have an opinion the number to call 646-727-3070 that's 646-727-3070 you can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan that's blogtalkradio.com slash pgan you can send messages to the show on Twitter, at go for again And while you're there at go for again give us a follow at go for again G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Great show lined up for you today. Expect it to be joined by Arizona Cardinals linebacker Lorenzo Alexander, the one-man gang. He's going to be joining us, and we're going to talk to Lorenzo. It's a big football game this weekend. Cardinals win. They get home field advantage throughout these playoffs. Lose, and there's a good possibility they could get the wild card uh, spot. So it's going to be a big football game this week in Arizona. You got the Seattle Seahawks who are playing some big, big time football right now, big time football, and to me, playing like the best team in the NFC at this point in time. They're playing some big time football. I, I they're getting it done. This is a huge game. This is a huge, huge game. Arizona wins. Heck, they win the division. They get home field advantage throughout the course of these playoffs. And guess what? If there's a possibility that they would not have to leave Arizona ever during the 2014-2015 season. There's a possibility because the Super Bowl's in Arizona. So there's a good possibility Arizona Cardinals win this week against the Seattle Seahawks. They will never have to leave Arizona, and they're seven and one in Arizona, so they're a good football team in Arizona. But we're going to talk to Lorenzo Alexander about that game, big game, by the big big game. Also, Jordan Calloway, actor, one of the stars of Drumline, the new beat. He will be joining us. Jordan's a big time Dodgers fan. Well, the Dodgers just finalized that trade for Jimmy Rollins. So they're, they're a new baseball team. Brandon McCarthy, Jimmy Rollins, Howie Kendrick. They're a new baseball team. Matt Kemp going. They're a new team. So we're going to talk to him about the Dodgers. Also talk to him about this Baltimore Ravens who, have, who are fighting for the playoffs. And you look at the Baltimore Ravens at this point in time, Baltimore, right now if the playoffs, if the playoffs were to start today, Baltimore would have the sixth seed. So And also possibly Willie Rofe, we'll see. He's traveling. We'll see if we can get him on by time we get out of here today. Let's start in the National Basketball Association, the NBA. Let's start there. The Dallas Mavericks, a very good uh, basketball team. Well, they just got better, I think, after yesterday's deal that brought them Rajon Rondo. I mean, in Dallas, in that deal – 
Dallas gives up Jay Crowder, gives up Brandon Wright, who's been having a decent season, Jameer Nelson, and draft picks. A first-round pick in 2015 and a second-rounder in 2016. Also, Boston got a $12.9 million trade exemption. So, Boston, obviously, at this point, you thought maybe Boston could have got more, but at the same time, Rondo does have an expiring contract, and at the same time, there's no guarantee if you would have traded for Rondo that he would have stayed. But now, Dallas now, they they get a Rondo. And with Rajon Rondo, Dallas now, I mean, this, you look at the starting lineup, first of all. Rondo, Nowitzki, Monte Ellis, Tyson Chandler, and Chandler Parsons. I mean, that's a big-time offense. And then you have Rondo just, you know, uh, as the quarterback at that offense, if you will. And Rondo and Danny and the Celtics organization said that, but there was no 17th title without the contribution of Rajon Rondo, and that is so true. Rondo was a big part of those Celtic championship teams. Rondo, uh, you know, he was the point guard. He was a darn good one. And you also look at what it's in the Western Conference. I mean, before you look at Dallas, I mean, Jameer Nelson, good point guard, but he's a liability on the defensive end. He can shoot, but he's a liability on the defensive end. Because night in and night out in the Western Conference, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, Mike Conley, Chris Paul, Tony Parker. I mean, you got those guys coming, Russell Westbrook, you got those guys coming at you night in and night out. And, you know, some of the guys I named, Steph Curry, if you want to get to the NBA Finals, you might have to beat Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. Mike Conley, if you want to get to the NBA Finals, you might have to beat Mike Conley and the Memphis Grizzlies. Damian Lillard, if you want to get to the NBA Finals, you might have to beat Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazer. Chris Paul, if you want to get to the NBA Finals, you might have to beat a Chris Paul. San Antonio, you might have to beat San Antonio and Tony Parker. Russell Westbrook, you might have to beat Russell Westbrook and the OKC. And OKC, I mean, so the reality is it's an upgrade. You upgraded the point guard position. Now you're Rondo now. You have an opportunity to play, you know, meaningful basketball again. Because let's be real, Boston, there was not meaningful basketball being played in Boston. Just not. Though the Celtics are half a game out of the playoffs, half a game out of the eighth spot. But, you know, Rondo has an, an opportunity now to be a part of a championship caliber team again. To, to be a part of what he came he came into this league, a part of a championship caliber team. And now he's back on one. So he's going to be motivated. He's in a contract year, extra motivation. you got contract year. you got an opportunity to play for a championship. To me, those two things equal a motivated basketball player, equals a motivator Rondo. And a motivator Rondo is a very good Rondo. A motivator Rondo is a good Rondo. And so now, Dallas, that starting lineup you trot out there, it's best, one of the best in this league. I mean, you can stack that starting lineup against a lot of different teams and, and say Dallas is looking pretty good in terms of that lineup. Looking pretty good. Chandler Parsons can stroke and can shoot the basketball, can score the basketball. Monte Ellis is a flat-out scorer. Of course, Dirk Nowitzki is a scorer. 
And Rondo, he can facilitate it all. He's a facilitator. He's the point guard. He, he, he's the waiter, if you will. He's, 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 you know, he's serving it there and serving it there, giving it to this one and that one. Rondo is in a great position. You've got to be excited if you're Rajon Rondo with the opportunity to play with the Dallas Mavericks and the opportunity to play meaningful basketball one more time. Yeah, meaningful basketball. And, and also, it goes back to this point. It goes back to a point. Dirk Nowitzki and the Dallas Mavericks, well, Dirk Nowitzki, he took less money. And, you know, obviously, the kind of money Dirk Nowitzki's making is, is, is pennies on, on to, you know, he could be making so much more. I mean, he gave, he's making $7 million this year. You want to talk about a discount, a hometown discount, that's one heck of a hometown discount. And I'm not mad at him. I'm also not mad at those who wanted to get their money, a la Kobe Bryant. I'm not mad at him for wanting to get his money. I would want to get my money, too. So I'm not mad either way. I mean, there's, you know, there's a couple schools of thought. You could, hey, you could easily stay in Dallas like Dirk, take a little bit of money, and, and play meaningful basketball. Or you could do the Kobe Bryant thing. Take the two years, $48 million, and play basketball, you know, play basketball that may not mean as much. Play on a losing team, play in a losing situation. So you can, you can do that. You can do that. And that's what Dirk Nowitzki chose to do. He chose to take the money. He chose to take less money and be in a better situation. Kobe Bryant chose to take more money and be, in, in some respect, a worse situation with the Los Angeles Lakers, who are struggling. And Matt Johnson says hopes they lose every game moving forward. If I'm a Lakers fan, I would hope the same thing. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Lorenzo Alexander of the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals, a big football game against the Seattle Seahawks coming up. Sunday Night Football. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It. Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean season. anything in the playoffs, Tom. When the playoffs come, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I was, uh, to throw you, you I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that, you know, we know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you, you, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around, too. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on, now. Come on, now. That's all right. That's not Robbie. That's called brother. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. (laughs) And we're back. And this weekend in the National Football League, I mean, a lot of different, uh, you know, it's down to the wire. Two more games left, uh, a lot to be decided. And one thing that needs to be decided is what's going to happen in the NFC West and what's going to happen in terms of home field advantage throughout the course of these playoffs. Well, we're going to learn a lot about that this weekend, this Sunday night, 
in Arizona. And one of the guys who's going to be a part of that, we're going to bring him in now. Let's bring him in now. Linebacker for the Arizona Cardinals, Lorenzo Alexander. Lorenzo. Hey, what's going on? How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Yourself? Uh, doing well. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem at all. What's going on with you? Now, Lorenzo, let's get right down to it. I mean, you guys have had the philosophy next man up this whole season. You know, you, you had Carson Palmer. He goes down. Drew Stanton, next man up. He goes down. Ryan Lindley, next man up, and he's going to get to start this week against the Seattle Seahawks. How confident are you in the abilities of Ryan Lindley? We're very confident. I mean, he's a guy that's been around his team for several years now. Um, obviously, he's young, but um, – He's out there working hard, putting in the time in the, in the in the lab, looking at the film, and he's going to be ready to go out there. B.A.'s put a, a great game plan together that fits his his talents, and uh, all we need to do as a defense and special teams unit is to go out there and support him in his efforts and not make the game uh, have to re- rely all on his shoulders. So uh, that's something that we're trying to do this week and um, kind of take some of that pressure off of him because it is going to be, uh, you know, all eyes on him as he comes out in this game against Seattle. Do you sense a confident quarterback? Yeah, I mean Ryan is uh, is a unique guy. I mean he's chill. You know he went to San Diego, so he kind of ha- he has a lot of that that California uh, chill to him. Um, so I don't think the the spotlight or the the game is going to be too big for him. I mean he's been in this system for uh, two years now, been around Carson, been around the guys. So I think he's he's going to be loose. And uh, I think uh, after getting in last week, you know, in that kind of hectic situation, he'll feel a lot better because he had a whole week to prepare for uh, the defense. Let me ask you this. I mean, you got Drew Stanton as your. It's either going to be Drew Stanton or Ryan Lindley in the playoffs for you right. guys. Are you guys still legit Super Bowl contenders with either of those guys? Yeah, why not? I mean, we have one of the top defenses in the NFL, and our special teams continue to get better with uh, Justin Bethel out there, myself, and uh, several other guys. So I don't see why we can't do it. I mean, that's pretty much what Seattle did last year. They won it with defense. Uh, and obviously some big plays from Russell Wilson from in here and there, but predominantly the, the defense won that, and there's been other teams throughout the throughout the league or throughout the years to, to win on defense as well uh, when their quarterback wasn't, you know, the, the Peyton Manning, the Aaron Rodgers type. Mm-hmm. So as long as we go out there, play solid football for 60 minutes, get after them, control the field position, and don't give up any chunk plays, uh, we, we have just as good a chance to win that game as Seattle does. We're talking to Cardinals linebacker Lorenzo Alexander. Lorenzo, last week you guys beat the Rams 12-6 to in a game that you guys were underdogs going into that game. You talk about a Rams team who was under 500. Your coach felt disrespected. Right. Did you guys as players feel disrespected? I mean, at the end of the day, um, I'm going out there to play for my teammates and myself. I mean, I could really care less as far as uh, what Vegas puts the line at or what, what the – national reporters are saying because we know what's in our locker room. We know what we're about. And uh, if you ever, you know, start worrying about what everybody else is thinking, I think that takes uh, away some of your attention to detail and you start messing up on stuff. So, yeah, we allow B.A. to to voice that type of stuff for us because that's his job as our head coach and our leader. But as players, we don't really even pay too much attention to that. We just go out there, ball out, hit some guys in the mouth, and see where things uh, lie at the end of 60 minutes. Do you feel as a as a whole in the in the National Football League that you guys are not really respected as an eleven and three team? Um, yeah, of course. I mean, obviously, we you sit and watch ESPN and see that, and they really talk about us. You know, they talk about like you just mentioned the St. Louis's, uh, the Seattle's, the Forty ers You know, everybody else that's you know what they're doing and what's going on and, and um, with their teams. 
and that's fine. I mean, Arizona is not, you know, traditionally been a, a big market where you get a lot of media attention. Um, that was probably one of the first things I realized coming from D.C. to here, and, that, and that's fine. I mean, as long as you quit getting W's at the end of the day, um, it don't matter if they talked about you or didn't. If you win that Super Bowl, it doesn't matter if they thought you was going to win all the games or you was going to win none of the games. And that's how we're approaching this, go out here and play our football regardless of what people think about us and go out there and show them what we're really about. And, and eventually – uh, people will have to realize what we're about and what we're going to do as we continue to kind of step over each hurdle that we've, we've faced throughout the season. We're talking to Cardinals linebacker Lorenzo Alexander. Now, Lorenzo, this game means a lot. We all know you win, you win the division, you get home field advantage. And, heck, right. if you win this game, there's a possibility you won't have to leave Arizona ever. I mean, because the Super Bowl is in Arizona. What is the mindset of this team coming into this game? Oh, this is a big one, and I think everybody understands what's at stake right here. It's either being the number one seed or the five seed, and that role being the five seed is a lot harder than having the first round by and two playoff games at home and then going to the Super Bowl, which is at home again. So um, we understand uh, the, the caliber of this game. Uh, I think Seattle understands it as well, so it's going to be an all-out ball out there, uh, guys fighting for position to win this division. Uh, get this number one seed because Austin is going to set up either one of us to kind of win it because nobody wants to go through Seattle, and I, and I really don't think anybody wants to come to Arizona. We've been really good at home over these last two years under B.A. For sure. Undefeated at home. So you, you look at you guys now. You lost to the Seahawks a few weeks back, 19-3. to What do you feel right. like you guys need to do this time around to beat the Seahawks? Well, I mean, mainly, I mean, I just can look at special teams alone. Uh, that's kind of where my, my niche is. and. Um, okay. Obviously, not give up a block punt, you know, making sure 11 men on the field, just little little details like that. And then uh, I, we also gave up um, another big punt return to the punt returner. So just being able to cover, get get kick protection, and get down there and cover. And, and by doing that, we, we give our defense long fields. And nobody over the, the course of this um, the season is yet to be able to consistently drive on our defense and, and put up points. So if we can ultimately control the field position and, um, and like I said before, not give up the big chunk plays, uh, the Russell Wilson magical plays, the backyard plays that, he, that he's known to do, uh, we're going to have to put ourselves in a great position to win. And, you know, like I said, uh, Karen Williams, Stephon Taylor, the offensive line has really been coming on strong in these last two games with the run game. And that's going to ultimately help out Ryan, too, is give him some play action, some deep throws, and maybe hit some big chunk plays and uh, be able to get a couple of touchdowns and, and kick field goals when we're down there and come up with some type of points. Now, you talked about Russell Wilson. I mean, last game he threw for 211 yards and a touchdown. He ran for 73 yards. What is the hardest thing about playing against Russell Wilson? What, what is the hardest thing about it? Uh, it's, it's kind of hard, but, it, I mean, he's just so elusive. I mean, obviously they run a, 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 do a great job of running that, um, that belly zone. And uh, he has great eyes, great instincts, um, you know, very Tony Romo-like. And, he's, and, he, and it's, I can't even say that anymore because he's done it so long. It's, it's the <laughs> Russell Wilson at this point. And what he's able to do to extend plays, make guys miss, uh, you know, rolling out, you know, on that blind side when guys think they have him in, in their sights. And just to be able to extend plays and allow his receivers to kind of, you know, f- find openings in the defense and um, – and capitalizing on it. I mean, that's kind of like his, the equalizer because their offense hasn't very been high-powered. But with right. those type of plays, uh, he's able to extend drives, get field position, get some points out of the drive, and sometimes, you know, a big play for a touchdown. And, and it's hard, you know, especially when you're playing against their defense, to get back from that once you're down. 
So uh, right. they do a great job of playing team football, and I think that's kind of how we're built to do it as well. We're talking to Cardinals linebacker Lorenzo Alexander. Lorenzo, we're talking about Russell Wilson last time against you guys. You guys sacked him seven times, but according to the numbers, he was 11 for 13 and 153 right. yards against the blitz. How do you guys change that this time around? Well, a couple of times I think guys just didn't wasn't able to tackle him, that elusiveness that we just talked about. I mean, one time we had Tommy Kelly and Alex Okafer had him wrapped up, he ducked and got even smaller than what he is and got out of it. I mean, I think people, you know, kind of knock him on his height, but he's, so he's stocky and strong too. So it's actually to an advantage too for a lot of tall guys that are trying to tackle him. Um, so, like I said, you know, you just got to be uh, – we got to execute. When you have him, you got to get him down at all costs and keep him in the pocket um, and really – forcing to make decisions from the pocket and throw the ball there so we can get some batted balls and make some inherent balls where guys in the back end like Crow, Pat P, Rashad, and those guys can get, can get their hands on some balls and get some big plays and some turnovers and, and maybe even get something to the touchdown area. Now, Seattle, they only give up 17.4 points per game. You guys give up only 17.3 points per game. You guys have more sacks. They give up less yards. How does your defense stack up against that vaunted Seahawks defense? Are you guys better? You know, if you ask me, I think we are. But, you know, I'm biased. I'm working with these guys every day. Uh, we're going out there playing it. I mean, but at the end of the day, they have a Super Bowl and we don't. So, I mean, I understand that argument as well. But, uh, you know, it's year to year. And this year I think we've been playing some great football. Uh, we've had some, a couple of games in there where we've had some hiccups. But, you know, obviously I'm going to roll with my guys. I mean, from Pat P. Uh, Calais Campbell, uh, Cromartie, uh, Rashad. Uh, we got a lot of great guys. Larry Foote, you know, reviving the, his career, you know, at 13 years in the league now. Uh, we just got a lot of great guys on our team that's been playing some good football. And it's kind of some of them been journeymen, uh, looked over, but they've really been able to step up in this next man up type of scenario this year and have been balling out. And Frosty Rucker is probably one of the prime examples of that with his last two games, having three sacks and uh, – various the tackles for loss and just pressure. So uh, I'm going to roll my guys any day of the week. <laughs> We're talking to Cardinals linebacker Lorenzo Alexander. So you're rolling with uh, Patrick Peterson over Richard Sherman as well? Of course. That's my guy. That's <laughs> what I'm going to roll with. Um, I mean, obviously both of those guys are great athletes. People want to, you know, always compare them, but they're different right. guys. They're both great. They're both talented, but they play in two different schemes. So who sure. knows if they, would, if they switch positions, if they still would be – as effective. I think oftentimes uh, scheme and talent go go together, and you can have a great career if you're with the right coaches and the right scheme, and both of those guys are really vibing in, in, with, within both defenses that they've been playing over the years. We're talking to Cardinals linebacker Lorenzo Alexander. Lorenzo, you're doing big things in the community with your ACES Foundation. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, it's just um, something I started back in 2008 with my mom and my aunt in Oakland and extended it to D.C., and I do some things here locally in Phoenix as well, and just youth empowerment, trying to bring um, access uh, to kids that uh, necessarily don't get the attention they need, obviously, in lower-income areas. Uh, So whether that's uh, helping the parents out with school supplies, backpacks, making sure the kids are, are ready to learn, uh, doing life skills seminars where we go in and actually teach the kids about what's really important in life, the legacy, uh, not, you know, with hip-hop and all that other crazy stuff that, that, that comes and goes, but what really what really is important, you know, family, faith, um, being um, a, a great, upstanding individual in your community. Um, and then recently in D.C. and Oakland, we've also started this program partnering with Everfine, and it's, and it's supportive of um, 
of their curriculum. So we go in and, you know, let's say they're doing American history. We have this digital component that goes into it and talks about African-American history more in depth beyond just your Martin Luther Kings and your Rosa Parks, the people that everybody knows about, but goes in a little bit of more depth like Arthur Ashe's brother and, and talks about everybody. So you can relate to anybody and everybody. Just get a better sense of who you are. Um, we do that with so African-American, which is 360. We do that with math as um, as well as um, our commons, which teaches you about uh, pride in, in our country, the Constitution, uh, patriotism, just to, you know, just to teach kids to have some, some pride and self-respect for who they are and where they come from and, and everything that's come before them. So it's something that we've been building upon over the years, and it's just great. And if anybody ever wants to get involved or check out to see what we're doing, you can go to Lorenzo Alexander. Uh, org. So fans, make sure you support all the great things going on with the Aces Foundation and go to LorenzoAlexander.org. Lorenzo, i got to ask you this. You play with RG3 in Washington during his first year, which happens to be his best year. And right. you look at RG, RG3 now, in some respect, we don't even know if he's going to be in Washington next season. Are you shocked by the demise of RG3 at this point? Yes, uh, it's crazy. I mean, a guy comes in and has a uh, a record-breaking a rookie season and then, you know, kind of falls apart after that. And, and a lot of it has to do with injuries and uh, personal relationships. I mean, a, a lot of that plays into you being successful. I mean, if you don't have a good relationship with your, your coach and your authorities and who's above you, I mean, that can tear a lot of things down as well as being injured. You, you can't do the, and make the same plays as you, as you would as when you're healthy. So, it's kind of been a lot of um, bumps in the road for, for Rob uh, at, since his rookie year. But, I mean, he's a great guy. Uh, he's going to persevere through this and hopefully gets another opportunity, whether it's with that team or another team, to kind of resurrect his career and uh, show everybody what he's all about. So you feel like he does get a raw deal in terms of the perception of RG3 selfish. I mean, there's some perceptions about him out there. Do you think those perceptions are true? Well, when I well, was there, know. it wasn't happening, but he was a rookie then. So, you know, right. guys, I, I wasn't with him the second year. You know, after you have all the accolades and, and you're that ma- the man, you have that whole offseason doing all the deals. So I wasn't with this new team. So I can't speak to issues that may have come up after I left. When I was there, I didn't see none of that. You know, it was a more of a veteran team too. So, I mean, we had London Fletcher in there. So he kind of ran the show and he sat next to London. So I don't know if that changed once London left or what happened. So – as far as when I was there, worked hard, did everything the right way, but, you know, winning masks are a lot of issues as well, too. So if you win in divisions and winning and throwing up all these yards, people are willing to look past some things versus when you're losing, you know, I'm going to throw you under the bus before you get me. Is how the NFL, you know, sometimes comes down to. So, uh, you know, it's just a bad situation for him, and hopefully it changes and, and he's able to come out of this uh, stronger and a better player um, next season. Fans, make sure you go to LorenzoAlexander.org and support all the great things going on with Lorenzo Alexander. Any big things for Christmas, man? What do you want for Christmas? I'm trying to get that Tesla. So if you can call my wife and tell her to get me a Tesla, that's what I need. (laughs) How about a division title? Would you take that? Yeah, I'll take a division title, too. I thought you were talking about for me, you know, at home, though. Christmas. Oh, a little bit of both. Football. Football, that's not Christmas. I'm about to go out and make that happen. Somebody's going to (laughs) get Seattle ain't going to give me that. I'm going to take that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the difference. So, so you expect to win on Sunday? 
I mean, why wouldn't you? You don't go out there expecting to lose. You you prepare all week to go out there and expect to win, and you want to go and try to take the crown from them. They're the Super Bowl champions, and they've earned every accolade that they have so far and the respect. And if you want it, you got to go out there and take it. So it's going to be a hard-fought game, and we're going to see who comes out uh, with the W. In order to beat a man, you got to beat the man. So, Lorenzo, appreciate you stopping by, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Have a happy, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and all that good stuff. Let's do this again. I appreciate it. Take care. All right. Lorenzo Alexander, linebacker for the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals, a big football game coming up this weekend against the Seattle Seahawks. He sounds confident. He, he, he sounds very, very confident that the Arizona Cardinals can get it done. I look at the Seattle Seahawks right now, and, again, they're playing the best football in the NFC right now. They're, they're, their defense is stepping it up. You, get to, you, you feel like it, it was last year again. You feel like it was 2013 again because this Seahawks team is picking it up on the defensive side of football. Beast mode, Marshawn Lynch is revving it up. Russell Wilson, slippery, and, and, and getting in and out of the pocket and, 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 and making plays with his feet, making plays with his legs, and just getting it done. You look at Seattle right now, they're playing probably the best football in the NFL. I mean, before it was the Green Bay Packers, and we were talking Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, and all that good stuff, and the Green Bay Packers have a hiccup last week in Buffalo. Seattle, to me, is playing the best football. But there's a side of me that says, I cannot doubt the Arizona Cardinals and what they bring to the table because they're well-coached in Bruce Arians. They have a pretty good defense as Lorenzo Alexander pointed out, I mean, Seattle's number two in points per game. Arizona's number three. So uh, their defense keeps their football team in games. It's going to keep their offense in games. The key to this is turnovers. When you, when, when you have an offense that's down to their third-string quarterback, turnovers are the key. Can Ryan Lindley protect the football? Can he protect the football? And that's going to be big as we enter this football game. It's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be a good football game. It's Sunday night football. It's Cardinals. It's Seahawks, man. And it's going to be pretty exciting. It's going to be pretty, pretty exciting. And, again, the question is, can Ryan Lindley make the plays? And at the same time, can he limit the mistakes? Can he do it? That's going to be key. That's going to be big. That's going to be interesting. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. But, you know, that, that's going to be a good football game. And, and as we look at the National Football League, and, and as we look at what's happening this weekend, I mean, last weekend we had a big battle in the NFC East. It was Philadelphia. It was the Dallas Cowboys. And in a game that essentially if the Cowboys lost, they, they would have lost the division and would have had a hard time making the playoffs. And right now, as we speak, the Eagles on the outside looking in. They're on the outside looking in. And I said going into this th- the three-game stretch that Philadelphia had, and they had a three-game stretch, Dallas, Seattle, and Dallas. I said they needed to go 2-1 and one in that stretch. Well, they went 1-2. and two. And because they went 1-2 and two in that stretch, they're on the outside looking in. And now they need help. They need the Dallas Cowboys to have a hiccup against the Colts or the Redskins. That's what they need. You look at the Indianapolis Colts, 
The Colts at this point are pretty much locked into that third seed. Indy and Denver, excuse me, Denver and New England are both at 11-3. Both are one game, basically two games up on the Colts because Denver beat Indy and New England beat Indy. So they're both essentially two games up on the Colts. So the Colts now are pretty much locked into that third spot. They're locked in. So that has to benefit the Dallas Cowboys. I just look at the – and here's the thing. Coming into the season, I, I, coming into this season, I had the Dallas Cowboys winning the NFC East. And, and my rationale was this. And I said the two best teams in the NFC East were the Eagles and the Cowboys. My rationale was this. I thought the Dallas Cowboys had the better quarterback and the better offense. And that has been true this season, whether it's Nick Foles, whether it's Mark Sanchez. I thought defensively they were comparable. I think Philadelphia's defense is a little better. I would say much better than the Cowboys' defense. They get after the quarterback on that front seven in Philadelphia. I mean, they're one of the league leaders in sacks. So they get after the quarterback in Philadelphia, whether it's Connor Barwin, whether it's Brandon Graham, whether it's Vinnie Curry, whether it's Fletcher Cox. They get after the quarterback in Philadelphia. And they've been getting after the quarterback throughout the course of this season. That front seven in Philly is pretty darn good. That back four in Philly not so good. But that front seven is pretty darn good in Philadelphia. And, and so they're getting after the quarterback. They're sacking the quarterback. And they're playing some big-time defense. I mean, they're second in sacks with 47 sacks. Only two behind the Buffalo Bills. So they get after the quarterback. And, and the front seven of Philadelphia has been pretty, pretty darn good. Pretty darn good. And the Eagles right now, their issue is their quarterback play, Mark Sanchez, he is who we thought he, he was. I mean, he, he's being found out. He's being exposed. I don't know if he's being exposed. We just know who he is. We know who he is. He's a guy that benefits from a big-time run game. LaShawn McCoy, first time around against the Dallas Cowboys, 159 yards. Very effective against the Cowboys the first time around. Very effective. This time around, Not as effective. Not as effective this time around. 159 yards the first time around. 159 the first time around. And and so he was running the ball up and down the Cowboys' defense and up and down the field, and he was very, very, very effective against that Cowboy defense. Very effective. This time around, Shady, 16 carries, 64 yards. So that dropped. That dropped. And and so – and you look at Tony Romo this time around, he was much more spry, if you will. He, he's, his, he, was, he seemed limited the first time around. And I know last time he said he didn't take that uh, a shot to, to, to numb those, that, those ribs and everything. But this time around, he was, he was, he was moving around. He, he was moving around. He was making plays. And he was very effective. DeMarco Murray, I mean, 31 carries, 81 yards. You'll take that any day if you're the Philadelphia Eagles. You did a pretty good job against DeMarco Murray. did have two touchdowns, but you did a good job against them. If you're coming into the game and, you know, DeMarco Murray's only getting uh, 81 yards, is what, basically what, almost what, about three yards, less than three yards to carry. So less than three yards to carry for DeMarco Murray. And so you've got to be pretty proud of yourself if you're the Philadelphia Eagles limiting DeMarco Murray to less than three yards per carry. Per carry, excuse me. So – Eagles did their job in that respect. 
But, you know, and here's the thing. You thought the Cowboys were going to fold after they were up 21 nothing. The Eagles made a comeback up 24-21, to momentum on the Philadelphia Eagles side. And then Tony Romo and the Dallas Cowboys now, they come back with a big drive. I mean, a, a big drive. And, and that drive, I mean, that was a response. That was a big-time response by the Dallas Cowboys. They made a response. Philadelphia went up 24 to 21, and the Cowboys had a response. They had a run. They started off the game great. Three drives, three touchdowns, 18, 86, and 56 in terms of yards per drive. So three straight touchdowns to start the football game out. I mean, they they started out good. They started out good. And so Dallas now, after Philadelphia gets that touchdown to go up 24 to 21, they come back with an eight-play, 78-yard drive. And so that's a big-time response by the Cowboys. That's the response. That's the type of response that you need on the road with the momentum on the other team's side and your team down three. That's the type of response you need. And they had that type of response. They responded very well. And so you look at the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not sure this time around they're going to fold. I don't think so. I don't think they're going to fold this time around. I just have a sense that the Cowboys might be for real this time around. I just have that sense. I just have that feeling that the Cowboys are for real this time around. And, again, I got laughed at Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, I got laughed at members of my family talking about, you know, this guy had uh, the Dallas Cowboys winning the NFC East. I got laughed at. But, you know, and the reality is at that point in time, I didn't expect Philadelphia to go into Dallas and and have that kind of response and play that type of football. But I did expect them to split. So whether Philadelphia was going to win in Dallas or whether Dallas was going to win in Philadelphia or whether Dallas was going to win in Dallas or Philadelphia was going to win in Philadelphia, the reality is they were going to split, in my opinion. I had a split coming into this season. And that split was about right. It's not about right. It definitely was right. It was right. It was right. It was right. But now, you look at the Dallas Cowboys, big game against the Colts. They still got to play some big-time football. They still got to finish these two games. But you look at the NFC, and it's gotten interesting. I think when it's all said and done, Seattle will have the number one spot in the NFC. I think Seattle gets that number one spot. I think Seattle's going to win that division. I think Green Bay is going to win the North. I think the top two seeds will be Green Bay and Seattle. I think Dallas gets that third spot, and I think New Orleans will get the fourth spot. And I think Arizona gets the fifth spot, and Green Bay will come in at the sixth spot. That's what I think will happen. I mean, excuse me, Detroit, excuse me, will get that sixth spot. And so it's going to be interesting. I mean, Detroit and Green Bay still got to do it again. They still got to play again. So that's going to be interesting. That's going to be the final game of the season. And now if you're the Lions, you go against Jimmy Clausen and the Chicago Bears. That's a game that seems winnable, whether it's Clausen or Cutler. 
and we'll get to uh, Jay Cutler in a moment. But whether it was Cutler or, Cl- or Clawson, you had to be, feel pretty good about your chances in terms of beating the Chicago Bears. And then they finish it off at Green Bay. And, and that game could be for the division, could be for their playoff spot, it could be for a lot of things. Could be for the second seed. It could be for a lot of things. It could be for it could be for a lot of things. And so we'll see. The Lions beat the Packers earlier in the season. They beat the Packers earlier in the season. And I'm just looking at you know their conference record. The Lions right now have a better conference record than the Packers at eight and two. Conversely, Green Bay's at seven and three. So if the Lions beat the Bears, they'll be eight and two in the NFC, 8-2 in the conference, and that's huge. In Green Bay, if they beat Tampa Bay, will be 7 and 7 and what does that be? They would be 8-3 and three in the conference. But right now, Green, uh, Green Bay is 4-1 in the division. So we'll see. We'll see. But it should be interesting. That last game between Dallas, I mean, between uh, the Lions and the Packers should be very interesting and it's probably going to be for the NFC North. And it gives the Lions a lot of credit. I mean, you know, they, they had a little stretch there where they had some struggles, but they're they're taking advantage of the schedule that they have. You, you give them credit for doing so, but they're taking advantage of a schedule. Right now it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a light part in the schedule. A light part, I mean, they have Chicago, they last three weeks. Well, you look at it. You look at their schedule. They beat Miami. And then they had two tough games against Arizona and New England. Both games, they lost. Then they had a three-game stretch with Chicago, Tampa, and Minnesota. All three of those games at Ford Field at home. So three home games against three bad football. Well, Minnesota's okay, but Chicago and Tampa Bay are bad football teams. So the Lions have benefited from their schedule. They, They definitely have benefited from an easy schedule the past three weeks. And it continues as they have the Chicago Bears. And if they can win that, they put themselves in position to possibly win the NFC North or at least get into the playoffs. Good situation for the line. Good situation. And if the Lions, you know, if they win it, they're good. If they win... If they win this game, they're in. Win and they're in in terms of the wild card spot. Win and they're in. But they are so in position, as we said, to win the NFC North. If they win, they're in. If they win, they're in. And if also Washington beats Philadelphia, well, they're in no matter what. And they play on Saturday. So Washington beats Philadelphia, well, the Lions don't even have to worry about in terms of just getting into the playoffs because they would be in the playoffs if Washington beats Philadelphia. But if they win, they get in. They get in. And then we'll see what happens in terms of a division title. But Jim Caldwell has done a good job in Detroit. You look at the Detroit Lions over the years, one of the issues with the Detroit Lions is discipline. They've been an undisciplined football team uh, the past few years. And and so, you know, Jim Caldwell comes in, and, you know, they're, they're a little more disciplined than they were. And you know, they're playing decent football, and they're probably going to make the playoffs. Probably going to make the playoffs. 
And so if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, you're rooting for the Chicago Bears. You're rooting for the Chicago Bears if you're the Philadelphia Eagles. You got to. You're rooting for the Bears because the Lions can squeeze you out of the wild card. They could squeeze you out. So you're rooting for the Bears. You really are. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But the Bears, it's shocking. I had the Bears going to the playoffs this year. It's shocking to see what has happened to the Chicago Bears. It's shocking. Not necessarily shocking. I mean, with Jay Cutler and the amount of money that he's making and to see what has happened to Jay Cutler. It's shocking. Jay Cutler is a bad, has had a bad season. John Gruden saying, calling, calling for him to get benched throughout that game. You know, it was time to bench him. He was awful. He was awful. And he's been awful throughout the course of this season. Awful. I mean, whether, you know, he's been awful. And somebody's job could be on the line. Maybe it's Cutler's who's going to the bench. Maybe he's done in Chicago, but I doubt it because he's guaranteed, what, $15 million next season. So he's not going anywhere. I don't think unless somebody would be a fool to trade for this guy. 28 touchdowns, but 18 interceptions. He's a turnover machine. So you would be a fool to trade for a guy who we've said over the years, why can't this guy be good? It's just like Jeff George. We've been saying over the years, you know, with Jeff George, he should be better, he should be better, he should be better. We're saying the same things with Jay Cutler. He should be better, he should be better, he should be better. I mean, this guy is making, has made $22.5 million this season. And next season's salary is guaranteed $15.5 million. So, Jay Cutler is getting paid $38 million, basically, in guaranteed money this season and next season. Would there be any team stupid enough to go after Jay Cutler? Would there be any team stupid enough to take this problem off the Bears' hands? Hands. I mean... Have, can we say at this point he is what he is? Can, can we can we say that at this point? I mean, we we've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and we still seen it materialize. He's thirty one years old, nine seasons in this league. We I think have seen enough of Jay Cutler to make a determination about what he really is. We made enough. I think we made a determination about what he is. I mean, he is a guy who will show flashes of of brilliance. He is a guy that will do some great things on the football field from time to time. But he's also a guy that's going to give it to you as well. He's going to give you opportunities. I mean, 18 picks this season, 12 picks last season. He's He's just regressing, I guess, as a quarterback. He's not turning into the quarterback that we thought he would be. I mean, Mark Tressman is a guy who has been known and has worked with some good quarterbacks. Steve Young, champions, Mark Tressman. Rich Gannon and Mark Tressman. Jake Plummer had one of had his best season as a quarterback. 
under Jake Plummer, under uh, Mark Tressman. Not his best season, but it, it, they made the playoffs under Mark Tressman, and when Mark Tressman was the offensive coordinator for Jake Plummer. So this guy has proven to be successful when it comes to working with quarterbacks. He's been successful. Now he's on the hot seat. Jay Cutler, his job is on the hot seat, but he's not worried about nothing. $15.5 million is guaranteed to this guy. So if if he's gone, well, who cares? I got $15.5 million in my pocket. I got $15.5 million to be have reasons, you know, to be happy. $15.5 million reasons to be happy. To be happy. And Jay Cutler, a few days ago, quote, you signed a seven-year deal and you think you're going to be here for a while. I'm still hopeful that's going to ring true, that we'll have another shot at this. But after a last after the last game after his last game, excuse me, a lot could happen. He was awful. Season low, fifty five point eight quarterback rating. The guy threw the football around, interception after interception after interception. Not very good at all. Not very good at all. 24 turnovers. A league high 24 turnovers. I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't. I mean, you're a guy, you're getting paid like a franchise quarterback. Those numbers are not of a guy who's a franchise quarterback. He's not playing like a franchise quarterback. He's just not. He's not. He's making money. He's getting paid like one, but he's not playing like one. If you're the Bears, I I think unless you can find a trade partner, you're almost stuck with Jay Cutler. You're almost stuck with Jay Cutler. You almost have to try to find a way to figure it out. He does have talent. Maybe next season you can reload get into his head, and, and, and make it happen, and have him be successful next season. It's not out of the realm of possibility that Jay Cutler can still be a successful quarterback in this league. Jay Cutler is a guy who led his team to the NFC title game. He, he is a guy that, you know, though he was injured in that game, the Bears did have an opportunity to get to the Super Bowl and, and had an opportunity to win that particular football game. And who knows if he was healthy, and he wasn't playing well before he left, but if he was healthy, who knows what could have happened. Who knows? But he's a guy that has has won in the playoffs. He's a guy that has ability. He's a guy that can move. He's a guy that can throw. He's a guy that can do a lot of things, a lot of talent, a lot of ability. Talent, ability, potential, those things, those things, I mean, potential especially, they get people fired. And it might get Mark Tressman fired. It, it, it might get him fired. Might get the GM fired. I mean, a lot of people might get fired because of this one. Mel Tucker might be done defensive coordinator because that defense has been awful. And, you know, that defense has been awful the past two seasons. Awful. They've been awful. And, you know, that's not – when you think about the Bears, 
When you think about the Bears, you don't think. You think about defense. And, you know, the 85 Bears. <coughs> you know, you think about defense. And Phil Emery. He could be done, too. The GM could be done. I mean, it was his. <coughs> excuse me. It was his idea in some respect. I'm sure maybe the coach had some input. But it was his idea in some respect to to sign Mark, um, excuse me, sign Jay Cutler to this deal, to give Jay Cutler this kind of money. He was involved in it. He probably was in the forefront. So who should we blame? If the GM made the move to bring in the quarterback, and the quarterback has been one of the reasons for the failure of this season and the failure of this team, then the reality is you have to make a move. And, you know, nobody's job should be safe, whether it's the GM or the coach. Maybe you just stand pat and and say that this can be figured out, this can be worked out, and this situation can get better. Maybe that's what you do. But we'll see. We shall see. But we'll see what happens moving forward with the Chicago Bears, and we'll see if anybody – would be dumb enough. I mean, I, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that someone would, would would take them. I mean, if you just look around the National Football League, and I know you got some quarterbacks coming out, Marcus Mariota, he's coming out. You know, um, Jameis Winston, he's probably coming out. So you know, you got some quarterbacks that you can look at and, and say they could be possibly franchise quarterbacks. You look at the bottom of the league. Look at the bottom of the league. The Redskins, they could be in the market for a quarterback. Tampa is in the market. Um, St. Louis, but they won't be picking high enough. The Jets probably are in the market. Tennessee is in the market. Oakland is not. They have their quarterback. So Tennessee, they need a quarterback. Jacksonville's good. Cleveland, we'll get to Johnny Manziel in a moment. But the Jets need a quarterback. So you look at the Titans, the Jets, the Buccaneers, and maybe the Redskins, four teams who are going to pick high and need quarterbacks. We'll see what Washington does. Maybe they stick with RG3. Maybe they don't. The Jets need a quarterback. They're not sticking with Geno Smith and probably not sticking with Michael Vick as well. They need a quarterback. Would they take Jameis Winston? Would they trust Jameis Winston in New York City? That would be interesting. And that's something that would be – up to the Jets, obviously. Or do they want Mariota? Tennessee, you know, they're, they're a team that needs a quarterback, and they might have the top spot when it's all said and done. They need a quarterback. So do they want Winston? Do they want Mariota? We'll see. But they need a quarterback. So there are teams that need a quarterback. And there's some quarterbacks, you know, Mariota and Winston, you know, two of the big ones, two of the top ones. Those are two quarterbacks that teams could use. And who knows? I mean, Tampa, we know Lovey Smith maybe wants a veteran quarterback. Maybe he goes after Jay Cutler. They, co- they play, you know, he coached him. He knows him. So maybe that's a possibility. Who knows? You know, who knows? Maybe Cleveland. I mean, and maybe that's a possibility. I don't know. But Jay Cutler, I don't think any team's going to trade for him. I don't think any team would be dumb enough to trade for him. And they're stuck. They're, they're stuck. It's almost like the Jets with Mark Sanchez when they gave him a guaranteed deal. And, you know, they were stuck with him. 
They were stuck with him, you know. So that's that's where the Bears are. They're stuck. They don't have a choice to try to work this out with Jay Cutler. Maybe Tressman's idea is, hey, we sit him down, you know, get him to think about some things, and who knows, maybe he comes back with a better attitude. Maybe he comes back a better player. Maybe. I mean, you know, maybe that's the thought process. I don't know. But we'll see. They're, they're, they're stuck with him in a lot of ways. I think they're stuck with him. But, you, you know, maybe a team out there is be willing to take it on. Maybe there's a team willing to do it. I don't know. I don't know. But, it's, you know, he's got some guaranteed money. He's making a lot of money, and he's a guy who's proven. He's 31 years old, and he's a guy who's proven that, you know, he's been turnover prone, he's been bad, and he's probably a guy that is not, at, at this point, I, he is who he is. He is who he is. Do you like what he is? If you like what he is, then maybe you make the decision to try to go after him. If you don't, then maybe you don't go after him, and it's probably, probably in your best interest not to go after him because he has not been good. The Bears have not been good. And you could say Jay Cutler's one of the reasons why. He's a part of it. His his his, his fingerprints are all over this season. His fingerprints are all over, so is that defense and, and Mel Tucker and that Bears defense, you know, that's not that has not been good. Been awful. But we'll see what happens moving forward. It should be interesting, but we'll see if any team would be stupid enough, stupid enough to go after and trade for Jay Cutler. How about the Dallas Cowboys? DeMarco Murray <clears throat> had surgery on his hand, and we'll see if he'll play this week. We'll, we'll see if he'll – he's questionable right now. And, you know, is it worth it? I mean, is it a guy that, you know – can he protect the football? Will he be able to protect the football? If he switches hands, will he be able to protect the football? Will he be able to dish out a stiff arm? I mean, those are the questions that you have to answer. Is it in your best interest if you're a Dallas Cowboys to sit DeMarco Murray now, down and hopefully Joseph Randall can do the trick? I mean, they have a lot of confidence in the ability of Joseph Randall. So maybe that's what they do. And maybe that's what they do. But, you know, it's a broken left hand. It's broken. So how well can he protect the football? How well can he do it? I know he carries the ball mostly in his right hand. But, again, can he deliver? Can he keep guys off of him with the stiff arm, with a broken hand on that left hand, with that left hand broken? Can he give a, a, a stiff arm? That is a question that's going to be answered. Maybe they sit him down. I think it might be in our best interest to sit him down because, again, uh, uh, you're fighting for your playoff lives and a fumble can change the course of a football game. So maybe you you, you get behind that big Cowboy offensive line, you put Joseph Randall behind that offensive line and let him have at it. Have at it. He's shown some flashes. He's got some speed. He's got some ability. That's why you have a backup there. I know DeMarcus, DeMarco Murray, 1,700 yards. I know he's going for that 2,000 yards, but if he doesn't play this game, more than likely 2,000 yards is out of the realm of possibility. I mean, for him to get that, for him to get those 2,000 yards, right now he's at 1687. So he needs 313 yards to get 2,000 yards. So that's about what, roughly 150, 155, 156, maybe 157 per game. 
157 yards per game. Can he do that? It's possible. But if he misses this game, 2,000 yards, that's a realm of possibility for DeMarco Murray. Maybe that's going through his head, the opportunity to make history, the opportunity to be one of the select backs to get over 2,000 yards. We shall see the second hour of Go For It starts right now. Welcome to go for it, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean see. anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I was, uh, trying to throw you, you know what? I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's early. That's not Robbie. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> Second hour, go for it. Starter right now in this hour. We're expected to be joined by one of the stars of the drum line, the new beat, Jordan Calloway, who's going to be joining us. Jordan's a big-time Ravens fan, big-time Dodgers fan. So we're going to talk to Jordan about his Dodgers, talk to Jordan about his Ravens, and also talk about drum line, the new beat, which aired in October on VH1. So we're going to talk to Jordan. Also, we may be joined by Willie Rove in this second hour. I know he's traveling right now. We'll see if we can get him on in the second hour. So Jordan Calloway, Willie Rove, here in the second hour, here on Go Forward. We talk sports. We have fun doing Also, we're going to talk about in the second hour, Pacquiao Mayweather. Is it possible? I mean, Christmas is right around the corner. I mean, maybe, maybe we can uh, get that as a Christmas present or, or, or a present going into the New Year's. Maybe Bob Arum and and, and top rank and uh, Floyd Mayweather and Mayweather Promotions and uh, CBS and H- CBS Showtime and, and HBO and Time Warner. Maybe all them forces can come together and put together the fight of the century. I mean, it'd be the fight of this new century. I mean, maybe they can do it. I mean, I'm hoping they can do it. I, I, I guess I'm darn near praying they could do it. I mean, the possibilities of pound-for-pound of, of pound great Floyd and and Manny Pacquiao, who was one of the tops in this sport, would be absolutely – I mean, you're talking $3 million pay-per-view buys, $3 million pay-per-view buys. You're talking about millions upon millions, hundreds of millions of dollars that can be made with this fight. I mean, this is a must-see fight. This is the biggest fight that can be made in the sport of boxing. The biggest fight. There is no fight bigger than this one. There is no fight out there bigger than than Pacquiao Mayweather. It's just not. But we're going to talk about that in this second hour, see if that could happen, see if we can get that as a Christmas present. Also, Carmelo Anthony and him possibly being shut down mode for the rest of the season. And 
you know, it's tough. It's definitely tough if you're a Knicks fan in the season that you're having. You're having a bad season. You really are. The greatness of Kobe Bryant. And Kobe Bryant broke a record this week. Well, not necessarily broke a record, but he surpassed the guy that many believe is an all-time great. Many believe is the best of all time in Michael Jordan. And, you know, you, you almost get the sense sometimes that, and, you know, here's the reality of sports and life, that there's always going to be somebody that's going to be somebody that surpasses Michael Jordan. There's going to be. There has to be. There's going to be somebody. The question is, who is it going to be? Is it LeBron James? Is he going to pass Michael Jordan? I would say probably not when it's all said. No, I don't think he will, but we'll see. I mean, Kobe, can you say Kobe is better than Michael? I would say no, he's not. I don't think he is. I don't think it is. I don't, think it's, I don't even think it's close. I don't even think it's debatable, to be honest with you. I really don't. I don't really think it's debatable. But, you know, that should be interesting. And, you know, we're going to talk about that in this hour. Kobe, we're going to talk uh, a bunch of different things. But when we come back, we're going to be joined by one of the stars, a drum line, the new beat, Jordan Calloway. You're listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It. Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean season. anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw uh, you. you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. <laughs> we see what you can do. We've seen it. <laughs> I would never bring my wife around you. I yeah, just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's early. <laughs> That's not Roxy. <laughs> That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thanks. very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. Okay. Hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Thank you, sir. You got it, brother. And we're back. We're, we're going to bring in a guy now. Um, you know, Drumline, the new beat, aired on VH1 this October. I mean, you remember Drumline back in the day. I mean, uh, well... I don't know if it was back in the day, but years ago. It was a very good movie. I love that movie. I love that movie a lot. I mean, Nick Cannon brought it. And they brought it again with Drumline, the new beat. And this guy was a part of that. This guy was a big reason for that. Let's bring him in now. One of the stars of Drumline, the new beat, Jordan Calloway. Jordan, how are you, man? Hey, how's it going? I'm good, Paul. I'm good. How about yourself? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Ah, Thanks for having me. Thank you for having me. Jordan before we get to drumline, I got to talk to you about your Dodgers. I mean, you're an L.A. Yeah. boy. You love the, yeah. the L.A. Dodgers. And it became official today. Jimmy Rollins, yep. officially a Dodger. You got Jimmy Rollins. Yep. You got Howie Kendrick up the middle. You got Brandon uh, McCarthy as well. Matt Kemp, hey. gone. 
D. Uh, Gordon, gone. Hanley Ramirez, yeah. gone. You like yeah. the new look Dodgers? You know, I'm not going to lie, man. It's going to take me time to get used to it. It really is. I mean, I – I mean, I feel like with with Kemp, with Hanley, especially with D. Gordon this last season, I mean, they they were really clutch players. I mean, I'm glad we kept uh, I, we have Crawford. So, I mean, you know, you, you see that clutchness that you that you have with the team. But I mean, it's always going to be you know, transition is always going to be hard. You know, For it's sure. always going to be tough. But you do get better defensively with Rollins and, and Kendrick. So, I mean, that's that's a good situation. That's always that's that's like Christmas coming early, you, you know. And you want to be the kid in the uh, you want to be the kid over with all the toys, holding on to all of them. But sometimes you got to let it go in order to get those other uh, those other toys. So you know, we'll see how it turns out this season. Let me ask you this: I mean, you look at the Dodgers coming into these playoffs, and you look at Clayton Kershaw, and we expected so much from him. You look at Madison Baumgartner of the Giants; he was what we thought Clayton Kershaw would finally be. In right, the playoffs yeah. this time around, man, where how right. disappointed were you in uh, Kershaw? Well, well, I, I can't. You know what? I'm I'm not going to say that I was disappointed with him. I mean, he has stepped up so many times, numerous times. Um, I mean, with the game of baseball, it's a lot of uh, psychological part of it, you know. And I mean, growing up playing the sport as well, mm-hmm. um, and playing in college, I mean, you you got to have an understanding that there is going to be that point where the team is also going to uh, step up. I have to give it up, though. I can't take anything away. I do have to give it up for, um, you know, St. Louis, though. Those, I mean, we, they always seem to be a roadblock for us. I mean, right. you look at the season before that as well. But, I mean, the last game, I mean, it, it, it was tough. And I was at the first two uh, okay. during the playoffs. But, I mean, it, 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 it was extremely tough watching that. And, you know, I think it, it, it's a matter of the uh, – for Kershaw, he he just had to settle into it, you know, and he he he, he kind of didn't. But I mean, I'm I'm not gonna lose faith in the boy. I mean, he's very talented. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna take anything away from him. I think he's amazing. I still got trust in him, and you know, with our uh, with our pitching coach, you know, I'm 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 putting the trust in him. I maybe he should have been pulled out a little bit earlier, but you know, I guess that's more so something with Mattingly. But um, right. but I, I I believe in I believe in Kershaw. I'm not gonna take that away from him. He's stepped up numerous times, um, and, yeah, it was tough seeing the Giants take it, but <laughs> I do have to take my hat off to them, but they did take it. We're talking to one of the stars of Drumline, the new beat, Jordan Callaway. And, Jordan, you look at the Dodgers, one thing for sure, they're going to spend money, man, $257 million payroll in 2014. I mean, that should get you a lot of players. you got to be excited about that number. You know, I'm I'm very excited about that. I'm I'm extremely excited about that because um you know, <laughs> I mean, money is also another part of the game as well. I mean, so seeing that they're making these big moves, just wondering what the other GMs in the um in in, in all of baseball with it with how that's getting them excited as well. You know, it's like it, it's showing that we're not just going to sleep this season, you know, and we we're still hungry, you know. So that's really what um I'm liking about that too. For sure, and, and anytime you spend money, you always give yourself an opportunity to win, and the Dodgers exactly. definitely give themselves an opportunity to win moving forward. Let's go to football now. You're a big Ravens fan. And, and yes, the yes, playoffs I am. Where to start today? First of all, you're from L.A. How do you first become we a Baltimore get to Ravens play. fan? First we, I'm sorry. How you're, you're from L.A. How do you, how did you become a Baltimore Ravens fan? How that happened? Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a funny story, right? Um, 
Well, it, it happened back in high school when I was playing um, football, and um, I played on the defensive side. I was a, a DB so and a uh, free safety. And so, I mean, growing up, I mean, when it, whenever you, whenever you like, I guess, get into a sport, you kind of pick those players that you want to just mimic or those players that you just want to follow. For me, it happened to be um, – it really, it really was every. I mean, just just watching his highlight videos, seeing how he would come in when hit, how he was not afraid to just lay that like hammer down, you know. And then you also had Ray Lewis, and I mean, hello to Nada. I mean, you got you, you, the team and what you really saw with them against uh, the Niners back when they played uh, in the Super Bowl was that you know you had the old man versus the new guns, and we showed that hey, it don't matter, we still gonna come after y'all. But I mean, that came back from my my time in high school, and just seeing how aggressive they were, how um, the tenacity of the whole team and the whole squad, how uh, Ray Lewis got them all fired up, and it was just like you looked at it straight goons on the field. So I love that, sure. and I mean, I feel like anybody that plays sports has to have that. So I'm going to give you a pass for that because usually, uh, you know, you are in L.A. The, the L.A. doesn't have a football team. So I'm going to give you a pass. But usually if you're from a certain area, you're supposed to like a certain team. So I'll give you a pass. You are. You are. That's true. You definitely get a pass. So let me ask you about the Ravens. I mean, if the playoffs were to start today, the Ravens would have the sixth spot and would play the Indianapolis Colts in the playoffs as a whole. Do you think the Ravens could still win the AFC North? I think Cincinnati is going to win that division when it's all said and done. But do the Ravens make the playoffs? I mean, we look at the history of the Ravens. I mean, sometimes when stuff gets stacked up against us, we usually try to pull it out. Or, sure. You know, so I, I'm, I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with my boys in purple and black. You know, um, <laughs> we, we, we're gonna we gonna make it. We're gonna make sure any team that comes up and stands in our way will be in a fight. Um, I mean. It's, it's, it's not easy. Um, first, we have to finish this uh, regular season and get through it. But um, but I think we just need to keep keep taking one day uh, one game at a time, though. For sure. We're talking to one of the stars of Drumline, the new beat, Jordan Calloway. And, Jordan, let's get <clears> to <throat> the movie. It aired in October. Hey. You guys did pretty good ratings-wise, man. Um, talk yeah. about that film. Talk about how that project come about for you. Uh, for myself, um, well, it was just like any other process that um, with uh, acting. I mean, usually have my uh, my agents or managers get in contact with me, let me know that I had an audition. We'll go in, uh, wound up auditioning, and um, I mean, it was actually over a course of I want to say about four to six uh, auditions, I believe. And um, the way that it actually operated was, I went in for one character that uh, played the cousin of the main lead, Alexander Shipp. Um, okay. And so when I played, when I was going in, the uh, casting director, Romy, she she told me, you know, why don't you go ahead and read this? He's a love interest. So I'm like, okay, well, give me a little bit of time because it was about six pages aside. And I was like, let me just go ahead and read this over and uh, get a little bit uh, familiar with the lines. And so I did that. Um, and then after that, you know, I came back in, did it one time. And I feel like about a week or a week and a half passed before they called me back in after they had um, already seen other people going for different roles and everything. They called me back in to uh, go for a callback, but they called me back in for both characters still. So fast forward, I mean, I went in for uh, the producers. I went in for the director. I went in for uh, Nick Cannon and the director, uh, Billy Woodruff, and then we eventually got to the uh, testing for everything. And um, 
I still was doing both characters. So I felt like I was kind of torn in between. Like one moment I'm playing her uh, cousin, the next moment I'm playing her love interest. And so it, it, it was kind of funny and interesting. But, you know, they eventually decided for me to play Javen Lapierre, who is the love interest. And, um, and you know, we had a blast. We, we went in there sure. and did our thing. And let me ask you this. I mean, the original Drumline came out 2002, so that's about 12 years ago, man. And you were only yeah. about 12 years old at the time. Did yeah, you I was, remember the original yeah, I was Drumline? Yeah, I was, I was a kid. I mean, I remember when that movie dropped, everybody was just picking up sticks or pots and pans, whatever we could get our hands on. <laughs> it just, uh, you know, we was just tearing it up, making a record. You know, mama's been like, be quiet, you know. But no, nah, it was, um, it, it was funny. It, it, it was. It was really interesting how much of an impact that movie had on my life as a kid. And then also when I had the pleasure of working with some of the other individuals that were uh, actual band members and hearing their stories as well, I mean, that – that's kind of one of the reasons why we also do this, why why we enjoy um, playing different characters because you're going to have a – you're going to have a – an influence on somebody, and you want to have a, a positive influence. You want to be able to tell a story uh, when you get the opportunity, especially really good stories, uh, to, to have a positive impact on other people, especially the youth. So, yeah. How are your drum skills, man? Oh, well, you know, um, you know, they're they, they nice. <laughs> they, they, they're as nice as they need to be, you know. Okay. I mean, I... I they gave us about uh, two uh, two weeks uh, where we had intense drumming uh, sessions where we were learning how to drum, how to march, um, and just really understanding the whole background because it's very militaristic. So right. um, it was it, it was it was a whole other culture that I was essentially just um, introduced to, and it was it was pretty intense. And even when we were um, offset and shooting, I mean, we were just trying to learn as much as we can because right. it's a matter of trying to also re- respect somebody else's culture, somebody else's passion, you know? For sure. And and trying to, to personify that to the best of your ability. So, I mean, it was, it, was, uh, it, was, it was intense. It was an intense two weeks and an intense month and a half. For sure. And we're talking to one of the stars of Drumline, the new beat, Jordan Calloway. I want to ask you this. I mean, I'm looking on Twitter, man, and you're getting a lot of attention from the <laughs> ladies. I mean, they're calling you their bae and all that other good stuff. How is the female attention right now, man? Um, I mean, it, it is definitely something um, <laughs> that I never received uh, growing up, you know. Uh I mean, hey, you saw my I, – I did a show for Nickelodeon for uh, right. three years. I played the quirky, uh, goofy kid. So, I mean, being able to play this role was another breakout role for me in my career um, to be able to show that, you know, yeah, I'm coming back. I just finished college. I'm, I'm coming back to the scene and everything, and uh, I'm ready to play, you know, love interest, leading man roles, <laughs> all of that type of stuff, you know. So, I mean, getting that support from the female – uh, from from all of my fans, actually, let me not just even say just my fans, but everyone from from everyone that is supporting me. I mean, whether it's just based off of my appearance, I mean, it, it also creates a hunger for me to be like, well, you know, I want to do more. Let me show you my for actual sure. talent. You know? for sure. But it's humbling. It's very humbling, though. Be careful. Be careful out there, man. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, my. 
trust me, trust me. My my mama, she ain't never gonna let this this one go. The baby is all, so she not gonna she, she gonna keep an eye on me. <laughs> And, and, and as you said, we talked about it. You know, you were on Nickelodeon's Unfabulous, and a lot of people remember you from that. Now you're a man. How do you see yourself right, right. as an actor at this point? As an actor, I see myself as one that's continuing to learn and craft my art. Um, I'm seeing myself as one that's, uh, you know, excited to to be given the opportunity to um, to just – I mean, do what I love and to 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 do it to the fullest. You know, um, it's it, I I think it's great being able to take a task, even just in the audition process, something that you somebody might not see you play, but you know, it's literally. And this is, I guess, this is the mentality that I've taken from playing sports is leaving it on the field. You know, you'll hear that often. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, there's so many different things behind the business that you can't control. So when it comes to what you can control, do that, you know? So being able to go into the uh, rooms, being able to play different characters that some people might not see me being able to play, you know, that, that's, that's the, uh, that's the challenge. And I love it too, as well, because it gets a little competitive, not necessarily with other people, but more so with yourself. If you can be happy when you leave, you know, that's, that's, that's really what's good because you'll have gratification in that in your own work. And you, like you said, you play sports. You play baseball in college, man. Do, do you miss it? Uh, Man, well, you know, I was playing for my freshman year, and um, I was really I was really torn in between it because growing up, I never really actually took a break from playing baseball. I mean, when I, baseball is a year-round sport. It's a beautiful sport. And um, I was doing that with um, the show as well. I was um, – also doing that with just um, during the summer, playing uh, summer leagues, playing on club teams, um, playing with feeder schools, Urban Youth Academy, which really helped develop me a lot. Um, okay. And that was a, uh, or that's a, I believe they're still around, an organization over in Compton, over by Compton College. My dad, he would always drive me out there. And, you know, it, it was great. I learned a lot of stuff. Got to play with some real big, like, really talented young men. And so... I never really took a break from it, though. And when I finally got to college, though, I was kind of torn between, like, what did I actually want to do? Where was my love, my passion? And, you know, taking a break from baseball, I realized, like, you know, okay, I'm kind of enjoying this free time, you know, because any sport in college, that's another that's another job. I mean, sure. that that's literally, that's a job. But, um, but, yeah, and so, I mean, I definitely do miss it. Um, I've, I've always had that hunger for it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's something that never goes away. But I also realized that, you know, I have my passion in the business. So that's what I got my degree in, in uh, producing and then minoring in screenwriting as well. So it was it was kind of tough to give up. It was, it was real tough to give up. We're talking to one of the stars of Drumline, the new beat, uh, Jordan Calloway. And, Jordan, what else is going on with you? What, what, what other projects you have going on? Well, my man, um, I mean, I – I'm currently working on um, my own projects that I've been writing uh, with some of my uh, writing partners. And um, it actually, funny story is, it actually originated from me telling my niece and nephew a bedtime story. And, you know, one of my uh, one of my writers, my professors, he told me, you know, why don't you continue to develop this and see what it is, hold on to it. And so, you know, it's turned into something that's been like my pearl. And uh, 
so it's it's going to be a, a web comic that I'm developing first, and okay. then seeing how that turns out, and then getting that into being a possible animation, something who knows. But um, in the meantime, I'm just enjoying it, um, getting all of the uh, characters done and all of the uh, the pro- proper paperwork on the production side of it. And then um, in the meantime, I'm also just still writing independent films as well, and then probably do some more independent stuff that I want to do on my own. And um, you know, it's it, it's it's a it's a craft. It's any it's any type of art. So I'm definitely learning new different things, uh, learning how to also relate to an audience and to tell a story and give it just you know. For sure, for sure. Let me ask you this: Christmas is coming up, man. What do you want for Christmas? Uh, what do I want for Christmas? A job? How about that, baby? No. Uh, <laughs> How about Christmas, a bag? I'm, I'm actually, uh, huh? How about a bag? A bag? No, I'm good. I'm good right now with a bag. I'm good. I'm good right now. I don't. I don't need. I don't need a bag. <laughs> that that sounds like money right now. I'm just focused on the. Uh, I'm focused on the uh, career aspect of life right now. Sure. But um, uh, I mean, honestly, I'm just happy with um being able to see family. Um, being able to see my uh, friends and my family uh, going out to Colorado, which I'm extremely happy about to see my brother before he uh, goes and gets shipped off. Um, so definitely a huge, huge, um, I'm extremely thankful for that, to be able to see him before he goes ahead and gets shipped off and then see the little ones as well. Man, I'm a huge fan of my little nieces and nephews, so that's great. For sure. Fans, make sure you hit this guy up on Twitter at Jordan Calloway one and support all the great things going on with Jordan Calloway. He's a man now. He's a man now. He's doing big things <laughs> in Hollywood. Jordan, pleasure talking yes, to you, man. We you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do this again. Yes, man. I would love to. Thank you so much. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas and all that good stuff. All right, Paul. Same to you. Take care. Jordan Calloway, one of the stars of Drumline, the new beat. And again, I mean, I you know I'm I'm 38 years old, man, and I I, I forget that drumline, you know, the, the original drumline came out 12 years ago, and I you know 2002 doesn't seem like 12 years ago, but it was over a decade, over a decade ago the original drumline came out, Nick Cannon and all those boys, but it was you know Nick Cannon that that was kind of his you know his, his signature role in some respect, put him on the map if you will. And so, I mean, a tremendous movie. I love the movie. I love Drumline. I really love that movie. And, um, you know, Nick Cannon doing big, did big things from that. And hopefully Jordan Calloway can do the same from Drumline, the new beat. We shall see. Jim Harbaugh. You know, right now Jim Harbaugh, at this point in time, he's said to be weighing his options. He's said to be thinking about what he wants to do. What he wants to do. I mean, maybe, maybe he goes to Michigan. I mean, reportedly there's a six-year, $49 million deal out there. You know, I mean, that's going to be how he's paid coach out there. You know, maybe that's where he goes. San Francisco probably done. He's probably done. You know, uh, I mean, $8 million is is a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And he's probably wouldn't make that type of money in the NFL. So if that's an opportunity for him to go out to to college, I mean, he was successful at Stanford and and is successful and has been successful at San Francisco. I mean, ultra successful. I mean, 49ers have been big-time success. I mean, 
a couple plays away from going to the Super Bowl three straight years and a couple plays away from winning a Super Bowl. So this team and Jim Harbaugh and what he did with the 49ers, I mean, you look at his two years at Stanford, 20-6, and six, and then you look at his three years, his four years with, with the 49ers, 42-18. and 18. So he's had a lot of success on the collegiate level and a lot of success on the NFL level. He knows how to win. <clears throat> he knows how to win. But obviously, him and the GM in San Francisco, they're not getting along. And, and this is something that's been talked about throughout the course of this offseason, just throughout the course of the season, all the distractions going on with the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, Jim Harbaugh and the GM can't get along. They can't get along. Trent Baalke can't, and, and Jim Harbaugh can't get along. And, and it's unfortunate because – you look at the success the 49ers were having. They weren't having that type of success before Jim Harbaugh. I mean, he came in right away with Alex Smith as the quarterback, and no one had success with Alex Smith. Mike Singletary, uh, Mike Nolan, no one had success with Alex Smith. Jim Harbaugh did. He had success with Alex Smith and um, helped Alex Smith get paid with the Kansas City Chiefs. And also, Alex Smith got him to the NFC title game, and he's a couple uh, of fumbles away. Uh, from the return man, he's not, his name escapes my, my mind at this point, but, you know, the return guy for the 49ers against the New York Giants, he fumbled twice in that game. He fumbled twice in that game, and, and if he doesn't fumble, if he doesn't fumble, the 49ers probably, Kyle Williams, they probably win or get to the Super Bowl. If he doesn't fumble, they beat the Giants. Twice he fumbles. If they, they don't fumble, they beat the Giants. But that cost them. And then the next year, they finally get to the Super Bowl against the Baltimore Ravens. They get down early and come back late, storm back, and had an opportunity at the end to beat the Baltimore Ravens. Crabtree couldn't catch that pass in the end zone, and, you know, it was done. And the Ravens win the Super Bowl. The 49ers come up short in that Super Bowl. They come up short. And then next year, Last season against Richard Sherman and the Seahawks, they get to the NFC title game and they lose. Richard Sherman slaps the ball away. Michael Smith picks it off. And the 49ers lose again and the Seahawks go to the Super Bowl. So, and here, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I said this last, when I said last week, and I said it going into this season, and, and, I, and it's been my theme. Here's the thing about life, and here's the thing we learn about life. You only have so many opportunities to do so many things. You, you have only have so many opportunities. And, and the reality is the 49ers had an opportunity against the Giants. Kyle Williams fumbled it away. They had an opportunity against the Baltimore Ravens. Well, they give up, get off to a horrible start. And, you know, that defense for the Baltimore Ravens holds, and the 49ers are in, are in, are in I can't even talk are unable to win and beat this, uh, the, the Ravens in the Super Bowl. Well, you know, at some point you got to break through. But they have another opportunity to get to the Super Bowl in a game that I thought they were going to win. I thought they were, you know, coming into the game, I thought they were going to win. As I was watching the game down the stretch, I thought they were going to win. And as they were moving the football down the field, I thought they were going to score. But Richard Sherman makes the play of his career, the best play of his career. He basically gets on the map and, you know, not only as, I mean, he was already on the map as a football player, but Richard Sherman King got on the map as uh, a guy that everybody knew. 
everybody knew who Richard Sherman was after he batted that ball in the hands of Malcolm Smith. He batted the ball away, Malcolm Smith picks it off, and the Seahawks go to the Super Bowl. The reality is, in life, you only get so many opportunities to break through. The 49ers had three opportunities. They couldn't break through. They couldn't get it done. And at some point, things are going to go against you. Health is going to go against you. Navarro Bowman, Patrick Willis, banged up throughout the course of this season. Health goes against you. At some point, you know, maybe you stop listening to the coach and you start drowning the coach out. Well, reality is Jim Harbaugh and the 49ers, it just seemed to be an issue the whole season that the team was distracted and the GM and the coach weren't getting along. And the quarterback, Colin Kaepernick, I mean, he signed that big deal going into this season. And, you know, he came into this season and he, he was he was not as effective as he was the past two seasons, the past three seasons, the past two seasons. I mean, he, he had an opportunity to kind of prove himself on some level, and he just was not effective. He wasn't as effective as he was in previous years. Maybe he's throwing, I mean, he's throwing the football much more than he did a year ago. Maybe that's the reason for it. He's getting sacked a lot, the most sacked quarterback in football. So he's, he's taking a lot of hits. He's getting sacked a lot. It's just the 49ers, they just didn't have that it. They just didn't have that extra thing for whatever reason. And, you know, they, the games that they came up short in are games that you expected the 49ers to win. I mean, Oakland, you know, you know when you lose to the Oakland Raiders in a game that you need so bad in the game that you had coming off a, a bad performance against the Seahawks on Thanksgiving night, and, you know, you have an opportunity now against the Oakland Raiders to, in some respect, right your ship, and your ship falls off. You know, you're, you're, you didn't do what you needed to do, and you played a horrible game. Your quarterback played a horrible game. As a team, you played a horrible game, and you lost to the Oakland Raiders. That's inexcusable. And I think that's when you knew it was it. It was done deal, even before last week's loss against Seattle, which officially eliminated San Francisco 49ers. You knew after the loss to the Raiders they were done. They just didn't have it. For whatever reason, Kaepernick hasn't, didn't have it. For whatever reason, they, didn't, they did not have it. And now they're going to lose a good coach in Jim Harbaugh. And now, you know, we'll see what they do with Kaepernick. I don't expect him to go anywhere, but you never know. A new coach could mean a new quarterback. I don't think so, but you never know. You never know. We shall see. Let's go to the NBA now. Reports out there that Carmelo Anthony could shut it down get that knee surgery, and, and be out for an extended period of time for the New York Knicks. Could be out for uh, an extended period of time, possibly, the season. And you look at the Knicks, and, and you know, here's the thing. If Melo, you know, first of all, he's been advised to take some time off, take a few weeks off, see what happens, see if that knee can get right. See, you know, take some time off, rest that sore knee, See if you can get that knee right moving forward. I mean, let's, let's see if that can happen. But you look at Melo and the Knicks, and if you're Melo, why? I mean, if you're Melo right now and, you know, if you're the Knicks, it, it really doesn't make much sense to keep throwing them out there. I mean, it, it really doesn't. You're 5-23. Five 5-23. And five and Here's the thing. It, it's, I don't know, to laugh. I don't know, to cry. I don't know what to do, but you're – you're you're five and twenty three, yet I mean you're in striking distance of the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference. I mean eighth seed, I should say. You're seven games back. I mean a lot of basketball to be played, and essentially you are in striking distance. I mean that's just that's 
That's crazy to think that you could be in striking distance of, you know, the playoffs and you're a bad basketball team, a 5-23 and basketball team, and you're in striking distance in some respect. I'm not saying that, you know. Obviously, I mean, Philadelphia's only eight games out. If they're only eight games out, and they're two and twenty-two. Conversely, if they were in the West, they'd be about ten games out. So, I mean, it, it, it's still early in the season. But you know, the, the Knicks—they're a basketball team that is a bad basketball team. They're trying to learn a triangle. They're trying to get—they're—they're they're trying to get things right. They're—they're they're trying to get, and you know, one—the only way they can get this thing right is, you know, they got some cap space they're going to get after this season. So hopefully. If you're a Knicks fan, they can build. Phil Jackson can build. Derek Fisher can can coach and be a good coach. Hopefully he is the coach that you thought he would be when you brought him on as your head coach. Hopefully he can be that. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens with the New York Knicks. But Melo, I mean, if he gets a surgery, he's probably going to be out for the year, depending on what they see and what's in there. But there, he's been told to rest. So he's going to rest, and, you know, after he rests, Maybe he'll come back, uh, you know, uh, uh, a guy who's ready to go. Maybe. But, you know, you look at the Chicago Bulls who played the, uh, the Knicks last night. You know, the, the Bulls wanted, they wanted uh, mellow big time. They wanted, they wanted, big, they wanted mellow big time. And, and the reality is uh, they, it may have worked out better that they didn't get mellow because you got a guy, a, a, a guy who could be a star, and Jimmy Butler had 35 points last night against the Knicks, and of course you got Pal Gasol. Obviously, if you sign Melo, you probably don't get Pal Gasol. You definitely don't get Pal Gasol. So the the Bulls, they might have been better off not getting Melo, especially with the play of Jimmy Butler. And this dude is going to make himself some serious money in the off season. He's going to make himself some serious money. I mean, he's leading the Bulls in scoring. I know Charles Barkley said they wouldn't pay him. He wouldn't pay him. Big time money, but you know he is leading the score. He is the leading scorer for the Bulls, and I think Charles made a great point. You know, while he is the leading scorer for the Bulls at 21 points per game, which is big time, Derrick Rose is still the best player on that team. And, and so you, you're giving a lot of money to, to Noah. You're giving a lot of money to Derrick Rose. You can't pay everybody. You, you just can't do it. You, you can't pay everybody. But Noah's making. Uh, Close to a max deal. Rose is max deal. Um, so, you know, as Taj Gibson is making $8 million. You can't pay everybody. But they're, they're probably probably not going to have a choice. I mean, if, if they want to keep Jimmy Butler, they're going to have to break the bank for Jimmy Butler. I mean, he picked the best time to have the type of season that he's having. Only 21 years old. Only 21 years old. That's it. Only 21 years old, averaging 21 points a game, five rebounds a game, and three assists. He's playing big time basketball for the Bulls. He is their leading scorer. He's their leading scorer, and he's putting up big time numbers. So the Bulls are going to have a decision to make when this season ends. And as you look at the the Eastern Conference right now. You look at the teams in the East. You look at Cleveland, I mean, who got blown out by the Atlanta Hawks. How about the Atlanta Hawks, 18-7? How about the Atlanta Hawks? I mean, they got Al Horford back. 
And the Atlanta Hawks are 18-7. They went into uh, Cleveland and beat down the Cavaliers, beat them by almost 30 points, beat them down. So you look at the East. Chicago, obviously, is going to be there. Washington's up there. Atlanta, I don't think Atlanta's going to be a a team you're going to worry about, but it's going to be Chicago. It's going to be Cleveland. Um, You know, it's it's, it's going to be Washington. It's going to be uh, Toronto. I think Washington's going to be a tough out, too. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Eastern Conference plays out. But the Bulls are a team that, to be reckoned with, they, they definitely are a team to be reckoned with, and, and definitely are a team that you know you're going to have to watch out for, and you might have to go through if you want to get out of the East. We shall see. Let's go to the sport of boxing. Mayweather, Pacquiao. We talked about it earlier. Oh, what a Christmas present that would be if that fight could get signed. Oh, what a great present that would be going into the new year if that fight could get signed. I mean, you know, Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao now talking back and forth, going back and forth about this fight. You know, Floyd Mayweather, and after he was quiet for a long period of time. All we heard was Pacquiao. We had we saw that Foot Locker commercial. You know, we, we heard Pacquiao talking and, and saying how much he wants to fight, so on and so forth. Now you, you have Floyd Mayweather now, you know, coming out on Showtime last week during the telecast last week. Uh, and, and, and saying, you know, let's make this fight. You know, that's the fight he wants to say. You know, he wants to happen. He, he says, we're ready. Let's make it happen. Let's do it. You know, I mean, those were his first remarks, really extended remarks about that fight in, in a long time, really. And, and so, you know, Pacquiao came back and said, look, quote, Mayweather has reached a dead end. He has nowhere to run but to fight me. So, He's right. This this is the, here's the thing. This is the fight that everybody wants to see. This is the fight that has to be made. This fight has to be made. I mean, the thing about it is this. You know, you got Canelo Alvarez and Miguel Cotto who want that May 2nd weekend, who want that Mexican Independence weekend. They want it. And the only fight I think Bob Aaron may have said this. No, maybe it was Oscar De La Hoya who said this. But the only fight that can take that off that particular date, to me, is not Mayweather-Khan, even though I think Amir Khan and Mayweather would be a very interesting fight. It's Mayweather-Pacquiao. That is the only fight in the sport that trumps Cotto and Canelo. Only fight. The only fight that trumps Alvarez-Cotto. That's it. That's that's the only fight that trumps that. And so you look at it, this fight, I mean, Pacquiao's pay-per-view numbers are down, but about 300,000 estimated against Chris Algieri. Floyd Mayweather's numbers are down. I mean, he's still the cash cow, but his numbers are down. So the reality is the biggest money, and Floyd Mayweather is about money. He's, as he always points out, he is a prize fighter. So as a prize fighter, you want the prize. And the prize for a prize fighter is money, the most money you can make. And so the biggest fight out there for Pacquiao, the biggest fight out there for Mayweather is each other. There is no other opponent that can uh, generate the type of money that Pacquiao Mayweather can. It's just not out there. It's not. So these two, 
need to make this happen. Egos need to be set aside. Uh, you know, that's the biggest thing. Egos need to be set aside. They need to come together and realize that this is in the best interest of the sport of boxing. This is the, the type of fight that's going to draw millions upon millions. The world will be watching. This is the biggest fight that can be made. The biggest fight. It, it's like the two best teams. And let's just say the playoffs. Let's look at the playoffs in the NFL. And let's just say in the championship game, the Broncos and the Patriots play and, and, and the Seahawks play the, let's just say the Eagles. Who cares? And let's just say both of those teams, let's say the Seahawks win and the Broncos win. And let's just say for some reason those two don't want to fight, play each other. That's basically what's going on here. The two biggest names, the two top, you know, the top two pound-for-pound fighters in the sport don't want to, well, I don't say don't want to fight each other, but have not been able to agree on anything. They haven't been able to do it. So, they got to figure this out. And, and what a way and what a present it would be. It would be if, if, if Mayweather and Pacquiao could get it on. What a way. How great would that be? It, it just would be great. It, 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 it seems so. I, I think this is the closest we've gotten since, what, 2010, 2009. That's the closest we've gotten. To, the, to, to possibly having this fight. This is the closest we've got. So you hope. You hope. And, and I think there is a little bit of a backlash in, in the sport in terms of the fans. You know, in terms of Pacquiao's pay-per-view numbers and in terms of Mayweather's pay-per-view numbers. I mean, the fans are tired. The, the, the fans want to see these two collide. The fans want this fight. The fans don't want Pacquiao, Algeria. The fans don't want Pacquiao, uh, Jesse Vargas. The fans don't want Mayweather Khan. The fans don't want Mayweather Maidana, Mayweather Thurman. They want Mayweather Pacquiao. That's it. So hopefully they can make it happen. And, you know, my guy, Devin Alexander, last week had a great opportunity to possibly be in the Mayweather conversation, but he lost to Amir Khan. I mean, Devin is is a friend to the show been on this show numerous times and a guy that you know I was rooting for man I mean you know I guess on some level I'm supposed to be objective but I was rooting for Devin Alexander uh, a guy that's been good to this show and you know he he, he couldn't get it done I'm giving Amir Khan a lot of credit Amir Khan you know had a great game plan game plan Amir Khan with his speed was able to offset anything that Devin Alexander uh could do and tried to do so give Amir Khan a lot of credit and you know, that fight puts Amir Khan now in the conversation for Floyd Mayweather. Whether he gets it, I doubt it. But it puts him in the conversation. Let's go back to the NBA now. Kobe Bryant, this week, passed the great Michael Jordan in terms of all-time point in the NBA. Points all-time, all-time scoring leader list. Kobe Bryant passed Michael Jordan Last week, and, you know, this week I should say, Kobe Bryant, I mean, you know, his career is coming to an end. He's he's in the twilight of his career. And, and Kobe, even at the age of 36, can still is still one of the best players in this game. Kobe is still getting it done at high levels. 
you know, the reality is Kobe's playing on a bad basketball team. And, you know, we talked to a lot of people talked about this this summer. Do you feel sorry for Kobe Bryant? Even coming into the season, do you feel sorry for Kobe Bryant? And, and my answer has been and will continue to be no. Kobe Bryant chose money in some respect. And I don't, I don't blame him for that. I don't hate him for that. That's his prerogative. That's his right. You can't leave that kind of money on the table. Carmelo Anthony, same deal. He couldn't leave that type of money on the table. Couldn't do it. But you look at Kobe Bryant and his greatness, and, you know, a lot of people, well, a lot of people, you, you try to compare the two, Jordan and Kobe, but it's it's really no comparison. Kobe Bryant was Scottie Pippen, basically, on three of those Laker championship teams. Those were Shaq's teams. Michael Jordan was the man on all six of his titles. Kobe Bryant played second fiddle to Shaq. He really did. Those two chips that he got after Shaq was going, those were Kobe's teams. But the teams before that, those were Shaq's teams. Kobe was the closer. He closed those basketball games because Shaq couldn't hit free throws. But those were Shaq's teams. We look at the Chicago Bulls teams. All six of those teams were Michael Jordan's teams. And the one thing that separates Michael Jordan from a lot of players is that six chips, but none of those series went to a game seven. So that shows me a guy who is a closer. He closed out games. That's what closers do. They don't let it get to a game seven. They take care of that before it gets they, they 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 close the door before we can even talk about a game seven. Michael Jordan closed the door before we even talked about game seven. That's what he did. The greatness of Michael Jordan will not be surpassed by the greatness of Kobe Bryant. It's just not going to happen. Kobe's great. Michael Jordan is greater. That's just the way it is. Kobe is great, but Michael Jordan was greater. And maybe the greatest, probably the greatest of all time. Kudos to Kobe. Kudos to him. But Michael Jordan is the greatest. Michael Jordan is the man. And that's the bottom line, point blank. Let's go back to the NFL now, and let's look at some of these matchups as we go into week 16. I mean, week 16, it's here, man. Wow. Week 16 in the NFL. Wow. And last night started out week 16. I mean, who watched that game? I mean, (laughs) that was the ultimate diehard. Game. I mean, you had to be a diehard fan. Even if you were a diehard fan of the Jaguars or Titans, there's no way you watched that football game last night. I mean, that was unwatchable. That was that. That's just the worst game on the Thursday night schedule. That's just awful, awful, awful. I mean, does it get any worse than those two football teams? It was bad. But anyway, tomorrow, two games on Saturday: Eagles at the Redskins, and that's going to be a big football game. Eagles travel to Washington, a big game for the Eagles. They're still fighting for their playoff lives. They're on the outside looking in, but if they can win this game, I mean, you continue to put pressure on the Dallas Cowboys. They lose this game, Detroit automatically gets in, and Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys would probably win the NFC East. I mean, that's it. The Eagles have to win their these last two games. They have to win them. They have to win them. Win, and they they live for another week. Lose, and it's a wrap. It's a wrap. So they got to win. They have to win. 
So they have to beat they have to be Washington, beat the Giants, and hope that Dallas will lose. Hope and hope and hope and hope. Or they need Seattle, Green Bay, Detroit to lose twice. Detroit plays the Chicago Bears, so that's going to be a situation where they win. So they need all they need help, and their destiny is not their destiny anymore. Their destiny is in the hands of other teams, and that's just the reality of the situation. So they got to win and hope that the Cowboys lose. they got to win and hope that the Cowboys lose. And we'll see what happens with that. But the Eagles, you know, especially after that game against uh, the first Cowboys game, you know, we, we everybody thought the Eagles were going to win, and, you know, they just they fell apart last week against, uh, two weeks ago against Seattle, and then last week against, uh, they fell apart last week against the uh uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Bell Park got up to a bad start, and the Cowboys finished strong. So we'll see what happens. But the Eagles, Redskins, that's going to be an interesting game. RG3 gets to start. Let's see what RG3 can do. I mean, this could be an audition for next season for the Redskins or maybe for another team, but we'll see. Johnny Manziel, we saw Johnny Manziel. He was awful. He, he was awful. 10 for 18, two picks, 80 yards. Uh, you know, every time the – the money signs all around from the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, Maluga, you know, batted the ball down, put the money sign in Manziel's face, ultimately got a penalty. But Manziel was bad. And, you know, I, I was a guy who wasn't too high on Johnny Manziel. Um, I wasn't high on him at all. And I remember we had Benny Thompson on here last week. He felt like, you know what, Brian Horry should be the starter until the Browns are officially eliminated. And that was my thought going into it, but I saw Brian Horry and how bad he was. And I'm thinking maybe the Cleveland Browns staff, since they were talking about, well, since they put him in against the Bills, and they were talking about him being Johnny Manziel, since they put him in, put him in against the Bills, and you know, there and then there was questions of whether or not who would be the starter the following week. I was thinking maybe Mike Pettin and Kyle Shanahan saw something that, you know, I didn't see when it comes to Johnny Manziel. So obviously somebody in that organization, Ray Farmer, uh, Mike Pettin, they saw something and Johnny Manziel because they drafted him in the first round. But Johnny football, Johnny Heisman, Johnny whatever, Johnny Manziel was bad. 10 for 18, two picks. I heard Ron Jaworski said, you know, he doesn't believe that Johnny Manziel is an NFL quarterback, basically. He thought he was a third or fourth round pick. He doesn't see it. I didn't see it either, Jaws. I, 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 I saw a guy who was undersized. Uh, I saw a guy that would be fast in college, but I don't know how fast he would be in the NFL. That's what I saw from him. And, and I look at Johnny Manziel. And I look at I look at Johnny Manziel and I just look at how he played. He played awful. He played awful, man. And, you know, it's only one game. He is a rookie. And maybe he can evolve and become a better player over time. But... He's a guy that still, you know, we talk about RG3 and his ability to play in the pocket. Colin Kaepernick, his ability to play in the pocket. Now we have to talk about Johnny Manziel and his ability to play in the pocket. Can he do it? Can he do it? Can he play in the pocket? Can he can he be effective in the pocket? And, and that's the question when it comes to Johnny Manziel. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. We'll see. But he is a guy that at this point 
has struggled, at least struggled last week. And, you know, and I thought, you know, in Cleveland at this point, their playoff chances, there are remote chances at this point, just remote. And, you know, I'm not saying Brian Horry was playing well because he wasn't, but Johnny Manziel was worse. He was worse. But we'll see what happens. Lions, Bears, and it's a big game for the Panthers too. But Lions, Bears, that's a big game. That's a big game for the Lions. So we'll see what happens. We'll see if Jimmy Clausen can do better. We'll see. Packers, let's see if they can rebound. Falcons, Saints, that's for that division pretty much. I mean, if the Saints win that game, they officially they eliminate the Falcons. They eliminate the Falcons. Both of these teams control their own destiny. They control their own destiny. So if the Saints win and they get it done, then, you know, they can clinch that South. They can win the South. Hopefully for them, the, the Carolina Panthers can lose. But the Saints right now, they're the best team in this division, I believe. I really do. I really think they're the best team in the division. But both of these teams are not very good. And how much is, is that really saying much that you are the best team in the NFC South? It's really not saying much at all. It's not. It's it's not saying that. It's not saying much at all. But New Orleans is six and eight. Carolina five eight and one. And that one could loom large, maybe somewhere when the season ends. But New Orleans. At this point, they are on top of the NFC South. <laughs> and, and for them, they got to try to win out and get that, get to eight wins. Because if they get seven, they'll be seven and nine. And Carolina wins out, they'll be seven, eight, and one. And Carolina would win the division. Wow. And as bad as the Panthers' season has been, there is still a possibility for them to win the division. Wouldn't that be something? It should be interesting. Now, let's look at it. And first, let's let's go back and let's thank, let me thank Lorenzo Alexander for stopping by. Make sure you go to his website, LorenzoAlexander.org, and support all the great things going on with Lorenzo, Lorenzo Alexander. Also, make sure you support Jordan Calloway. Hit him up on Twitter at JordanCalloway1. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgam where you can listen to this show. Another great show. Follow us on Twitter at GoForItCan, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Also, hit us up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user slash GoForItCan. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. See you later. Bye.